0: If you're just joining us, we've been in the middle of a series um, for the last uh, four weeks. We're calling it Kingdom Prep Academy, and the idea is that when Jesus teaches the Sermon on the Mount, and if you're not familiar uh, with the Sermon on the Mount, that was a a, a three-chapter, big, long speech that Jesus gives in the Gospel of Matthew that kind of just explains what life ought to be like. Um, And and like, in in order for us to be the kind of people who are ready to be in heaven, We've got heavenly attributes. We're ready to live the eternal life of God and also flourish now. I don't want you to hear, though, when I say flourish, meaning happy. Okay, A lot of times in God's, uh, the way that God does things, uh, what it means for us to flourish can involve suffering. It can involve difficulty. It can involve frustration. We're going to see a little bit of that today. But nevertheless, even though it involves those things, it also also involves a kind of spiritual satisfaction and settledness. Because at a spiritual level, when we live like this, we are living exactly as God designed us to live. So today, uh, we're encountering one of the most misused teachings of Jesus. Jesus. Uh, and, and we're going to talk a lot about, be honest about how it's been misused and, and really try to make a course correction in the way that we understand this text. So if if you haven't heard it before, you'll be like, oh, I can see how that would be bad. And if you have heard it, you might think, oh, that's just one of those things I throw under the rug because it's clearly useless and Jesus doesn't seem to know what he's talking about. And so with that, I would like uh, to introduce to you a better justice and uh, the text for today. It's Matthew five thirty-eight to 42. Uh, I, this is my translation of the text, and uh, I'll note a few of the things that, where I depart from more traditional uh, versions, but in general, all I've really done is, is, uh, is just get the, the language really contemporary. So uh, here, here it is. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not retaliate against a perpetrator. Instead, if someone slaps you on your right cheek, you must turn the left to him as well. Likewise, if someone sues you in court to take your shirt, give him your cloak too. Also, if, uh, and it says someone, but in Jesus' context, this would only be a Roman soldier, so I've just made that explicit. If a Roman soldier forces you to go one mile, go with him for two. You must give to the one who asks, and don't refuse the one who wants to borrow from you. (laughs) Right. Mm Mm-hmm. I remember when I was a kid, um, my best friend Jeff uh, was bigger and stronger and older than I was, and it really bothered me that he always got his way. Uh, I I felt like I deserved to get my way, and I remember one time we were at the pool, I was probably eight years old, and if it turns out that I was actually like 14 or 15, don't think less of me, Uh, but I I think I was around eight, and and Jeff was there, he was like nine or ten, and... He uh, had, had commandeered the pool noodle. That's the thing that you sit on that gets you to float in the pool. He had taken that for himself. And, and I felt that since it was mine, it was my turn. And so I said, Jeff, it's my turn to use the pool noodle. And he was laying, I mean, Jeff, if you know, uh, you, you may not know him, but if you do, he's a really happy-go-lucky guy. And he was just laying on the back, and his big belly was popping up above the water. And he was just lazing and just having a wonderful time. It was summertime. And he just ignored me. I was like, well, poopa pants. Jeff, I need that that noodle. He didn't didn't respond. Finally, I asked a third, fourth time. Finally, he he puts his head up and he's like, dude, I'm just relaxing. Can you just let it go? At which point, I had taken um, his beach towel and was holding it over the deep end and said, Jeff, if you don't give me that pool noodle, I am going to soak your towel and run away. Because, I mean, this was a big deal, and I really felt like I deserved that thing, and I was going to show him. That was my noodle! What does he think he is? He looked at me, and he said, fine. And so I dropped the towel. When Jesus says... um, We'll get back to that at some point. Uh, when Jesus says uh, "an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth," he's actually referring to the Old Testament three times. In the Old Testament, uh, that's the Hebrew Bible, the Bible of the Jews. Uh, Three times this, this saying comes up. And I, I want you to look at it because I don't want you to get the wrong idea. It sounds really vicious, right? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. It sounds like uh, just kind of a mean thing. And so I want you to see where it comes from and get an idea of what uh, uh, God was trying to do with this. Because it's not like Jesus is going against that law. Jesus is actually fulfilling it and moving it towards its right, um, its right uh, conclusion. And so here, this is in Deuteronomy. This is one of the, the three times this teaching comes up. And notice the context Okay, there's a criminal case, and the judges are going to look into the situation very carefully, uh, and they fi- if they find out that the witness who's been on the stand is a liar, uh, that he's given false witness, uh, he's lied, then you do to him what he had planned to do to his fellow Israelite, remove him from your community. So the first thing I want you to notice, this is a public, it's out in the, it's official, this is not, this is not Tom and Jeff type stuff, this is more like uh, something that goes on to, in order to make the community work. Do you notice that the situation? It's, it's not just these people on the stand. It's not just the defendant. It's the entire community is implicated, right? And and what's what's at stake here? Well, if uh, if you said something about something bad about another Israelite, and the, and the judges agreed, they would kick him out of the community and exile him. Exile in the Old Testament world was akin to death uh, because you went out into the wilderness with no friends, no hope for survival, and so you very often ended up dead or in slavery, okay, so it's, the stakes are the highest, so when someone lies on the stand, it's a big deal. Now here's what happens, God says, listen, the rest of the people will hear about this and be afraid, they won't do that sort of evil thing among you again. Notice what's going on here is that Jesus, uh, that, that God is giving a law into the middle of a pretty vicious society that's designed to, like, minimize the amount of violence, and it's designed to deter people from committing crimes, okay? This is not God just being mean. In fact, if you lived in the ancient world, the world that uh, Israelites were, were entering into, it was a rough place. It was kind of like the Wild West, only worse. Uh, What I don't have up here, but uh, I could show you, is other law codes uh, that that Israel's neighbors had. And and the difference here is that that God says, uh, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand. The other law code said, oh, someone bothered you? Kill him. Oh, someone looked at you wrong? Kill him. Oh, someone uh, took your stuff? Kill him. You can see how this works, right? And it really is, in the, in the rest of the ancient world, just like we think of the Old West, where you kick the door open in the saloon, and the guy throws down his cards because you looked at him wrong, he slaps you in the face and says, let's have a duel. And okay, and you get out front and you guys shoot each other. That's what the world was like. That's not a fun place to live. It's frontier justice. And so God says, that's not how, how it's gonna be in our community. We're gonna be a little less crazy. In fact, the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, is, it's less violent than what was going on around Israel. And as a result, God says if you implement these rules and you stick to them, then other people won't make the same mistakes. It's going to deter crime. Crime is going to disappear, ideally. That's kind of the background for what uh, Jesus uh, encounters in, in his teaching. And this is the first thing in your note sheets. An eye for an eye was God's way of restraining violence and deterring crime in a very, very violent culture. The first thing, it's restraining violence and deterring crime. But still, doesn't this text seem a little bit crazy? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And then Jesus teaching, his, his, his flipping the upside down of this, seems totally nuts. I mean, look at this. Look at this. If someone slaps you on your right cheek, you turn the left to him as well. This is a real thing that happens. Uh, people will come up to the pastor person, the pa- and they'll, they'll say, my husband hits me, um, and I'm not sure what to do. And I was reading, and, and Jesus says, when uh, you get hit on one cheek, you should turn and be hit on the other. No. No. Uh, something will happen. Uh, he's, uh, likewise, if someone sues you in court to take your shirt, give him your cloak too. Wow, this is great. Uh, someone takes you to court, and they, they sue you, and they're not only going to take uh, your shirt, you're just going to give them everything. You're going to th- let them ruin you. In, in, you ruin your life. Just not even put up a fight. Be like, hey, whatever. I'm sure I'll be fine. That's what it sounds like. If a Roman soldier fo- forces you to go one mile, go with him for two. Uh, in the ancient world, Roman soldiers who were occupying uh, Israel uh, <laughs> were allowed to f- uh, compel labor. They were allowed to compel uh, local people to carry their packs for them wherever they went. And uh, so this was a common occurrence where a Roman soldier would be like, this is too heavy, you, peasant, take it. So we're gonna be what complicit in the oppression? Because you know, you guys know, you know what happens with bullies, right? You know how bullies work. If you say, Oh, hit me again, they'll be like, All right. This is fun. And here, what is Jesus doing? Is he is he just is he validating uh bulliedom? Is he is he making it okay for people to abuse and take advantage of each other? You must give to the one who asks. If you've ever been involved in uh, dispensing charity, you know that when you start to give, you're going to get more and more requests. And if you keep giving, you're going to run out. We experience this in the office. When, uh, when word gets around that we're, um, we have a, a lot of resources for the, uh, the poor, uh, a lot of people come. Some of them with pretty sketchy characters. And pretty soon, we run out of all, all the money that we had. It, like, disappears instantly. But we're trying to obey, right? We're just trying to do what Jesus says. You must give to the one who asks. You cannot say no, right? A couple of things. The first is that, as we've seen, if you've been with us for any length of time, you've noticed that in every single one of these teachings, Jesus is being really hyperbolic. Remember, one point, he was like, hey, if your eye is causing you to sin, pluck it out. Hey, if your hand's causing you to sin, chop it off. In every single one of his teachings, he's been saying some radical things. And what we've noticed is he doesn't actually mean gouge out your eye and chop off your hands. What he's trying to do is he's trying to say, this is really serious stuff. And if you take it seriously, I I, I want to get your attention. And I want you to come up with some creative ways to deal with these problems. I want you to transform by, by doing different a different pattern of activity. Okay, And it doesn't have to be cutting off hands, but it does need to be serious. I suggest to you that Jesus is being hyperbolic in this section. He is not telling you to give away everything until you have nothing left. He is not telling us to let bullies beat the poopy out of us. He is not telling abused spouses and children to, um, uh, to allow that to continue. That's not what's going on. I'm gonna, uh, Marilyn, I'm going to skip over um, those next couple of texts and I, I want to just go to the, the next, um, the, uh, next uh, point. It's that Jesus' teaching is hyperbolic and only applies to public, not private or domestic situations. Okay? Notice, you know, the, the judge, right? There's a criminal case going on. A Roman centurion. These are all things that are happening outside the home. They're all things that are happening in public in front of other people. They involve humiliation. They, that, that's where Jesus is and he's being very hyperbolic. So I don't, I really, really want to stop the misuse of this text amongst Christians who, um, use it to validate allowing bullies to get their way, who use it to validate, um, just giving up everything and not being responsible with your possessions, things like that. Th- that is taking Jesus' teaching out of context, and it's, uh, it's, it's not helpful. So, okay, there's a lot of things going on here, right? On the one hand, um, We've got this Old Testament where it looks like God was trying to restrain violence and he was trying to um, improve community, community relations. And then we have all these misuses of the way this text has been. And, and you might be wondering, okay, well then what is this text about? Like, what's going on? Let's just look at um, these words right here. I say to you, do not retaliate. Older translations will say do not oppose, uh, but really the word is exactly what you would get um, in the ancient world for an army setting up to, to fight back against another army. That's kind of how this word gets used most of the time. It's talking about retaliating. You've been hurt, you hurt right back. And notice that the retaliation is totally legitimate. Right? Like, okay, if someone literally walks up to you on the street and slaps you in the face, I mean, is it not well within your rights? Isn't it just to slap them right back? I mean, okay, so it's fathers, fathers who have sons, uh, thankfully not me, but those of you who do, uh, your kid comes home and is like, Dad, the local bully's been pushing me around. And you're like, just let him, son. Just cower in a corner. In fact, you no, know, walk up and beg him to hit you. Is that, who, which father here has told their son that? Nobody. Oh, Sam, you are not a father. Did your dad tell you that? He told you just to get beat up. Hey, buddy. Good news for you. That's not what Jesus is saying. Are you stoked? Yeah. I, you can. You can tell him that when he gets back. Uh, no, that 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 would be totally insane. But you can understand though that it, it does seem reasonable. And, and okay, if someone uh, comes and sues you for your shirt, like, what's the reasonable thing to do? It's to sue them right back. They're like, oh, you're going to take my shirt? I'm going to take your house. Like, that's what you ought to do. If someone is coming out and, and trying to hurt you, uh, like, you don't just roll over for them. You are well within your rights to retaliate. It's not wrong to do these things. If a Roman soldier, literally the arm of the oppressor, comes and says, carry my stuff, What you ought to do is say, you know what, I don't like this. And you go home with your insurrectionist buddies, and you come up with a way to overthrow the Roman government. You start a rebellion, and then when it's successful, you find that guy who made you walk that mile. And you give him all your stuff, and you say, now, buddy, you're going to walk with my stuff for a mile. That's legit. That is a legitimate... It's justice. Is that not justice? Justice is getting what you deserve. Right, And here is a situation where Jesus is saying, nope, nobody gets what they deserve. What about justice? You know who, who just has a hard time with justice? God. If, if, anybody, um, if anybody has the right to exact justice, it's God. I think I can speak for everyone here when I say that um, at one point or another, every single one of us has um, sinned and sinned egregiously against him. We have done things to God that are really, really unacceptable, especially since he's like the king of the universe. We have done things where we've, we've put... And, and, and isn't it interesting, isn't it interesting what God does? Does God, God immediately says, oh, I'm going to squish you. I'm going to put my thumb on you and crush you, right? Because God loves justice. Or does God do this? When Paul's explaining the cross, when he's explaining Jesus, he says God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them. And he's committed us to to give that message of reconciliation with the world. It is on us, those who are Christians, to go out and tell the world the good news. God has every right to hold you to account for all the things that you've done. And guess what? He's not doing it. God has every right to exact justice from you, to take it from you, to take a pound of your flesh. And instead, what he does is he gives himself... He accepts it on, on your behalf. He gives out, he gives up on justice for you, takes it onto himself and gives you mercy and gives you grace instead. He is so concerned with being reconciled to you, having relationship with you, that he is willing to look past justice. With that in mind, let's look again at this text. I say to you, do not retaliate against a perpetrator. Instead, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, you must turn the left to him as well. As we noticed earlier, this is an honor-shame culture. And if someone uh, walked up to you in the middle of the street and slapped you in the ancient Near East, it would be because that person had a higher status than you. And that person is humiliating you in front of everybody else. Okay, That's what they're doing to you. They're saying, I'm more powerful than you, and there's nothing you can do to stop me. When you're in that situation and you do what Jesus does, and again, this is hyperbolic, but it's just imagine if you did something like this. This is what you'd be saying. You'd be saying, I don't care about being humiliated. If you want to humiliate humiliate me, feel free. In fact, go ahead. Take another one. Is that really is that gonna is that gonna make you feel good? You big man? Go ahead. The idea is that everyone who's watching this encounter begins looking at the person who assaulted you and saying, really? You're going to just exercise your power over this person? The idea being that if that person sees those people watching, remember, public, it's in the public square, and sees that and feels that pressure, that person might, instead of striking you again, lower his hands and say, you know what, maybe I went a little bit overboard. And what you've just done in that situation is you have said, you know what, I could have had my pound of flesh, I could have fought back, I could have undermined him. I'm going to give that up because I think it's more important to make an opportunity for community and for grace with this person. That's what you've done. If someone sues you in court to take your shirt, give him your cloak, what you may not know is that uh, giving your cloak is the same, it's a euphemism in, uh, for, for getting naked. So Jesus says, if someone's going to sue you for your shirt, you're in the court, everyone's watching, and you just you strip down. Like, let it all hang out. Here I am. Which is a very shameful thing to do in the ancient Near East. Uh, as, as We're a lot more comfortable, actually, in our culture with nakedness than they were in theirs. It would have been tremendously humiliating. And again, what you're saying is like, oh, big man, you need my shirt? Okay, take it all, just let me, here I am. I'm willing to be humiliated, I'm willing to be made fun of, looked down on, if if that's what it's going to take to make you happy. And again, everyone's eyes in the court is on the person who's suing you. And ideally, hopefully, he hangs his head in shame, realizing that he's taken a pound of flesh when he shouldn't. The same thing for the Roman soldier, the same thing for giving to the one who asks. Don't refuse those who want to borrow from you. In every single case, you are well within your rights to retaliate, to get your justice. And Jesus is saying, instead, instead, try to come up with a way. Get creative here. Get creative. Come up with a way where you're actively going for the good of the one who's after you, the good of your perpetrator, and the good of the community. It's that, that same principle that God gave in the law to, to, to uh, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, to stop violence, to increase order and community amongst people. That same principle, now it's being taken to its fullest extent. Be willing to give up justice if it will make good for the person who hurts you and for the community you're a part of. And guess what? That's hard. In fact... What Jesus is saying is exactly the opposite of our intuition. Our intuition says uh, that turning the other cheek is being a coward. Our intuition says it's easy to to just just crumble in the the face of of power and give them what they want. That is not what Jesus is up to. Jesus is up to a, a, a strong, powerful contradiction of what the world is saying is okay. He's saying stand up, be with dignity, take it. Do what it takes, but have in, in mind not justice, not getting yours, but good. So uh, I couldn't come up with a tagline, so Erin had to do it for me. Last night she she came up with this. This is this is great. Say it to yourself: It is not weak to turn the other cheek. I mean that's gold. Here's why it's gold you're going to remember this. It is not weak to turn the other cheek. And what you're going to remember every time you say this to yourself, you're going to remember it's not really about turning the cheek. It's not about letting people bully you. It's not What it's about is saying, I'm I'm willing to give up my justice for the good of the community and the good of the person who's after me. And it takes a lot of chutzpah to do that. It takes a lot of guts to do that. It takes a lot of willingness to not get yours to do that. And maybe it's kind of hard to to think about uh, what that might look like. In fact, one of the unfortunate things is that Jesus doesn't really give us examples, right? He's giving us hyperbolic examples, but he doesn't give us real, actual, uh, you know, life examples, and, and what does it look like? What does it look like to, to have the same kind of grace that God has for us, where instead of exacting justice, he gave his son to give us life? What does it look like to do that in our community, in our public square, when we're outside of of, of these, these walls? What might that look like? And so I thought a little bit about that, and I, and I have some ideas for, for a better kind of justice. And this really is what grace is. You know, we call ourselves Bible Grace Family. That grace—it's a better kind of justice. It's—it's it's better than justice. Justice is awesome, and we all wish we could have it. But what's better is something that actually heals and creates community instead of just exacting a pound of flesh. So here, uh, this is somebody here. What did I? The powerless. In, in most of the examples that Jesus gives, uh, with the exception of the giving to the beggars and the borrowers, he's giving an example of somebody who is, has less power than the one who's abusing them, right? Or, or taking advantage of them. And what's interesting is that, is that he, Jesus' responses involve dignity, standing your ground, saying, oh yeah, big man, is that what it's going to take? It, 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 it shames the person who's after you. If you are in a situation in your life where you do not have power and someone has power over you, And yes, this applies to all the teenagers here. Uh, You are in those situations. Your your goal is is to to have dignity and not to back down when you're being when your parents are being ultra mean to you, when they're abusing you, not abusing that's not the right word. Wow. When they're when they're wrongly punishing you, Uh, your goal is 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 to stand your ground with dignity, but it's also to give them an opportunity to recognize that they're over the line. Uh, and look, kids. All parents do this. We uh, we make mistakes. And it's not just kids and parents. It's anybody who's in a situation. A lot of times in a work environment where you do not have the power to stand up for yourself in the ways that you want to, but you are called to have dignity. You are called to be willing to stand up for yourself. Notice that you know Martin Luther King Jr. and the the nonviolent um, civil. Uh, civil justice movement social justice movement, um, civil rights it was really was about not retaliating but shaming the people who are taking advantage of you right? Getting them to look inside and be like yeah, this this doesn't feel right this feels wrong that's what powerless people are called to do is to to honestly bring shame from your dignity uh, on those who are after you for those with power powerful. This uh, sort of non-retaliation, you know, you, I would think more in terms of the text for the, uh, those who, who, you know, you must give to those who ask and don't refuse to borrow. The idea being that if you have opportunities and you're powerful and you have status and whatnot, you are in a unique situation because what everyone expects you to do is to hoard those things for yourself and then, um, and then just improve your own station. What you can do in that situation is you can actually just out of the goodness, your love for Christ, whatever it is, you can just heap good things on people that they're not expecting. In fact, they might have every reason to expect the opposite. And yet out of your position, you're able to, because look, like, it's not just. Okay. You're not getting justice. They don't deserve this. They're not, they didn't earn it. It's not like something that they've done, you know, but you, you do it anyway because you're more interested in the good of the community and their good. Than getting justice. I have a friend. He uh, has recently moved into management, and uh, he, yeah, poor guy. He was stuck with a millennial. He did not hire this person, um, but on the team a is a millennial, and everything that you've heard about millennials is true. Uh, they're entitled. They're useless, incompetent. Um, they just feel free to just leave the workplace at any time because, you know, they've got their business, right? And, and you know, the work's going to figure itself out. No big deal. Uh, they're not really invested in the project except insofar as it makes them happy, okay? This, uh, this employee, um, really, truly a thorn in the side of my friend. And we were talking about it, and <laughs> he said at a certain point, he's like, I really don't like this person. But I'm wondering if what I'm called to do is to be good to them anyway. To not give this person what they deserve, but instead to empower them to become better. I mean, it'll be better for the, the community and the office. Ultimately, maybe it'll help improve this person so that this person will, will grow and change. This person doesn't deserve it. That's grace. That is a gift. And yet, it's, it's setting justice aside. That is something that powerful people can do. And they are uniquely suited to do it. Uh, The abused. If I have not hammered this uh, enough, let me hammer it one more time. This teaching is not an excuse for abused people to allow abuse to continue. You must stand up, you must extricate, pull yourself out of a situation of consistent abuse. Um, Jesus is not interested in empowering bullies. He's interested in giving dignity uh, to those who, have, who don't have it. And he's interested in seeing the cycle of oppression stop. The cycle of getting yours and getting mine. That's what he's about. And so if you're in a situation where you are, um, not, are being taken advantage of, you must get out of it. You must. Uh, that, that is... You do not have an excuse to uh, continue a cycle. Ladder climbers. That's uh, those of you who... Um, we're making it to the top. You know, you're, you've got, you, you love, you're, you're a teenager, and you can see the top of the social ladder over there. You can see what it would be like to sit at that table with those kids, and you're working hard to get there. Because that's important. Or alternatively, you're at your uh, your office, your job, um, you, you recognize, I want to make it to this point and I'm going to work hard to get there. I'm going to be out in the politics and, and glad-handing people to make it happen uh, in your social group, whatever it is, ladder climbers. You are the people who will have an opportunity at one point or another to throw somebody under the bus. And man, it'll feel good. Especially if that person's kind of a scumbag. You're going to have a shot. At some point or another, that scumbag is going to make a bad move, slip up, and you're the one who knows about it. And you know because you're good at politics. You know exactly how to just slip it into conversation and get it noticed by just the right people so that person who's just ahead of you is shoved off to the side and you're able to slip up into that coveted position. And besides, that scumbag deserves it. It's justice. think what Jesus is saying is he's saying, hey, maybe give him a shot. Maybe take him aside and say, hey, that wasn't cool. Maybe you should reverse course on that. Don't take advantage. Give, give an opportunity for, for this person to grow, this person to change, and for the community as a whole to grow tighter together. Give a shot. Just give it a shot. And here's the deal. If it doesn't work and that person just you know shoves it in your face, okay, fine, go to war. Throw them under the bus. Knock yourselves out. Jesus is not saying, like, just get rolled over by bad people. That is not the point. The point is stop. Take an opportunity to see if we might make things better. Ostriches. The ostrich. I think this is true. I've never seen an ostrich in real life. Maybe I have. We were watching that planet Earth 2 yesterday on the TV in 4K. Oh my gosh, the natural world is gorgeous. Except when like the one cheetah is like killing the other cheetah. Other than that, it's beautiful out there. Ostriches, I think they put their heads in the ground. They, uh, they 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 get scared and they don't want to deal with stuff and so they put their heads in the ground. That's those of you who just stay away from the politics. You stay out of the uh, the the grind and the politics. You stay aside and you and you just kind of like you're happy where you are. You don't really want to get involved in anything. You're just doing your thing. You're going home. You're having a good life and you want to stay that way. Ostriches are actually doing something detrimental to the community. Because you're withholding uh, your gifts. You're withholding your abilities. Uh, And as a result, there's a lot of tit for tat that's going on outside of what you know and see. And you're just letting it happen because you're not involved. You're not engaged. And so ostriches, you need to get your heads out of the the ground and you need to start engaging with people. Stop being an isolationist. And yes, that's going to cost you. Ostriches tend to be ostriches because they've been hurt in the past. They've been in situations where someone has taken advantage of them and they're sick and tired of it and they they're tired of being hurt and so they just they just retreat, shields up. Jesus is saying you got to be in it to win it for the community. You've got to be there with people otherwise no one's going to transform. All the terrible stuff is going to keep going. You got to get in, be involved. Public servants. This is, um, there's, I know there's many of you here uh, who either have or do serve in, um, and not just public servants as in like public school teachers or police fire, but also, you know, private school teachers, whatever you, you are. Wherever you have an opportunity to be kind of kind of in charge of a community, you have an opportunity to put this into practice. You have an opportunity to show and teach and help others recognize how it is that they can stop getting theirs and start being a part of the team. I know, know too, uh, especially... I mean, no one here works for the DMV, right? Because they're terrible. This does not apply to DMV people. They're just awful. I'm kidding. They're great. I mean, I'm sure they're great. I have no idea. They're probably great. They may be mediocre. Whatever. Uh, there, a lot of times public servants and those in power in those types of situations tend to be the kinds of people who um, get scorned. They get pooped on. Right? And, and it's really probably an opportunity for someone who's like a teacher or a policeman or a fireman to be like, you know what? I've got the power here. I'm going to see that you get yours. And the idea is you have an opportunity instead to do something Beautiful. To give this person or these people who are hurting you and going after you an opportunity to stop and think and be like, wait, that person's not actually that bad. Be the cop who pulls somebody over and says, you're speeding a little bit and I know you're going to do better. No ticket for you today. Be that guy! Not really. It would go it would go a ways. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to skip the last one. Uh, I do want to say about uh, coaches. I, just, I also know that a lot of you, um, especially men here, uh, are coaches uh, of sports teams. When I was uh, in junior high school, or fifth or sixth grade, I had uh, switched schools. Um, I had been going to one school, and I moved to Stony Brook. And it just so happened that uh, I joined Stony Brook's flag football team. And during the, during the, the course of the season, uh, we met with my former school and so I was out for blood, those dirt bags, especially Miles McGann, that kid. I, he'd invited me to his birthday party the year before. We had been tight. And as soon as I left, man, he just shut me off. I was done. I was dead to him. And I was dead set on making sure that he paid. <laughs> but Miles, uh, he, he did what you're not supposed to do. He tied the flags you know, in flag football, you're supposed to pull the flags off. He tied his so that they wouldn't come off. And I, was, I kept trying to tackle him. I was on defense. I kept failing. And I was getting steamed, man. I was so angry. And so the last play of the game, they're crushing us. He gets the ball. He's running. And I try to grab the flags, and I can't. You know, I was like, you know what? Forget this. And I just tackled him full tilt. Everyone's like, Oh! Then, uh, because I was so mad at getting like I was mad, so that they gave me a penalty. Then, so then I, I stomped off the field without doing the two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? And I went to the car and I began crying, and I stayed there for about thirty minutes. Not my finest hour. I think it was my coach. I think I think at the time I could be wrong was uh, Vince Concialdi, Some of you know him. Uh, he he sat me down. And he said, "Tom, maybe there were some bad calls." Maybe the other team wasn't, you know, playing the way they ought to. But that doesn't mean that you've got to get yours. Instead, you hold your head up high. You shake hands. You tell them good game. And you come back and you get them next time. You know, sportsmanship. Interestingly, sportsmanship right there in that circumstance is exactly what Jesus is talking about. It's like, yeah, you you had an opportunity to get yours. Give it up. Let it go. Instead, be concerned about the health of the community and the good of the people who you see is wronging you. And in that, you will be a part of God's kingdom. You will actually be living out what he desires for all of humanity. Where we stop getting ours and we start giving and we start living together peacefully. I'll just go to the... um this last question. This is the question that you ask yourself. And this, really, right here, this is just sums it up. Uh, this, is, this is exactly what Jesus is asking you to do. Um, it, 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 ask this question What can I do to put the good of the community and the perpetrator above my own need for justice? What can I do? And you gotta be creative. It won't be easy. And it might be weird. I dropped that towel, and then as is my—I mean, there's a there's a common thread here. And then I ran away out of the pool. It was a community pool. I ran back to my house, and I just started crying. I was a—I was a weak, frightened child, sad, very sad. Uh, and I, as I was sitting there, um, what what occurred to me was that you know I had gotten him good right? I mean, I'd gotten him. I'd showed him. And so what? What did it do? It cost me anything. It cost me my best friend, I thought. I got my revenge. I got my retaliation. I got my justice. And I lost the person that I loved most. Later that afternoon, uh, Jeff came uh, to our house. He rang the doorbell, said, "Is Tom there?" I'm like, "No, I'm not." <laughs> and uh, he comes up to my room. He says, "Tom, you were terrible." And I was like, "Yes, you're right." He's like, "But that's okay. We can start over." What he could have done is he could have walked into the room and kept the cycle going, right? said, oh, you dunked my, ta- my towel? Here's a sucker punch. He could have done that. But instead he said, what would be better for the community? What would be better for Tom? What might give Tom an opportunity to change? How about a hand of friendship? How about a movement of grace? Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we, uh, we thank you for being who you are. We thank you that, that you did not exact justice on us, but instead fulfilled your justice in Christ and gave us grace instead. God, I pray that we will be people who don't need justice, but instead need to see reconciliation, strengthened communities, transformed relationships. When we're tempted, God, to, to get ours, I pray that you'll send your spirit powerfully into our community. Uh, use others around us to remind us that justice isn't the point. That your love and your life is the point, And that we can have it by extending a hand of grace. We bless you, God, and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.